If you could say your first and last name to make sure we pronounce it right and give your pronouns, that would be great because I have a name that people can't pronounce, so I like to get that. But hang on. It's uh, it's Giles Paley Phillips, um, not Paisley Phillips, as I sometimes get, or Pally Phillips. Um, um, so yeah, Paley Phillips. Um, yeah, and Mr... And welcome to Shelf Healing, UCL's bibliotherapy podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Markwick. Our guest today is Giles Paley-Phillips. Giles is an award-winning children's author and an author of a semi-autobiographical free verse novella published this year with Unbound. Giles co-hosts the podcast Blank, which has also just announced a new book to be released March next year, covering themes from the podcast as well as anecdotes. These themes include mental health, grief, fear and social anxieties. Giles is also a patron for ActionAid UK and has the most lovely, uplifting Twitter account, full of kind words. First question to get us started is nice and easy. Do you feel that reading is therapeutic? Well, I think it's therapeutic for some people. I have to say, I, I find reading quite tricky. It's always a bit of a weird thing because people like, especially when I do, go to just do school visits, because I was obviously there to promote reading and books and stuff. And I think I wasn't a particularly big reader as a kid. I was more of a, I was more physical, like going out and playing football and running and that kind of stuff. So, and the only kind of books I liked as a child were those, uh, like the fighting fantasies books. I don't know if, like, you know, where you, so at the beginning you get a dice, it's almost like a game. You get a dice and then you roll it and you get like your skill and your stamina. And then, you, yeah, as you proceed through the book, you would have to make a decision at the end of each paragraph. Like, are you going to go through this door, go to page 368, or are you going to, uh, you know, attack this orc that's coming down the corridor? Um, if so, go to page, you know, so-and-so. And those were the kind of books I was really into, and comics as well. So I wasn't really much of a reader. I've come, kind of come to reading a bit later in life almost, wasn't really until my sort of mid twenties, leading up to my thirties, that I started. I guess I was starting to hang around with other people that were into reading and, and books. I got really into sort of cult novels, American no- novels, authors like Chuck Palahniuk and Don DeLeo, um, uh, Paul Oster, like you, you know, sort of you know, qu- quite heavy going books. Um, I kind of went in. I went, it was like a bit. I'm a bit overlapping anyway as a person. I think I just went into like let's let's get some really hardcore kind of fiction. But yeah, certainly. So I've, I, I, I haven't said that. So I've, I've always found reading quite challenging. I, I, I struggle sometimes to get through books. I mean, at the moment, I'm having a bit of a. I mean, people talk about writer's block, but I certainly have like reader's block sometimes for sure. And I've I, I, I sometimes drift between different genres just so I can get back into it. Having said that, when I'm into a book and I'm enjoying a book, almost nothing better in a way when you're escaped into that world, particularly with fiction. And actually with good nonfiction as well, when, you know, when there's a really good narrative, I mean, books like by people like John Monson, fantastic for getting you within like that world and you can escape. And I think, you know, as like all great kind of creative things like movies, music, that you know, you get taken away from what's going on in your normal life. So, so to answer your question, which was a very long answer to your question, yes, I do think books can be, yeah, and reading can be very th- therapeutic. You know, I've, I predominantly have written children's books in the past and, you know, I've often used 
challenging subjects in those books to talk about various different things so i think you know going on from that i think yeah it can be therapeutic to open discussions about difficult subjects and challenging subjects so from that point of view as well it's always been um yeah i would say yeah you, you can you can get so much out of reading and books yeah definitely especially the the challenging subjects i think reading is somewhere that you can read in a very therapeutic manner about things that are very difficult to deal with in your everyday life yeah absolutely yeah what type of books do you reach for when you want to relax or kind of improve your mood? Okay, that's an interesting. Is it still those fighting fantasy books from your childhood? <laughs> well, I've started. Funny enough, I've um, I I thought well, they don't, I don't you don't see them as much now, and I thought well, they might, where because there was a couple of authors. I think it was Ian Livingstone and Steve Jackson were the like predominantly in the sort of eighties and nineties would write those books, and they wrote hunt like you know like hundreds of them, and I thought oh, I'd really like to get do that with my my eldest is into that kind of stuff as well. He's a vivacious reader. Uh, I'm quite jealous of him sometimes because he just he just eats books. Honestly, he's just <laughs> it's incredible. Really, he'll, he'll get a new book and he'll be finish it within like sometimes he's like a day, like a day. He just like read the book. It's like, it's really impressive. And even like he's starting in getting into um, sort of more adult books as well. Like um, he really loves Jurassic Park and the Jurassic World movies and everything. And he he read Jurassic Park like in two days, like just like that, you know. Yeah, he, so he's he's a vivacious reader. So I thought, well, this is really good. I can maybe get some of those old books that actually the books that I did enjoy as a child and, and, and we can do it together. So we did buy one of the original fighting fantasy books and did that together. But for me, I guess, um, well, like I say, sometimes I find it difficult to get into, into books, but there are certain authors, I think, that, you know, like I'm a big fan of Chuck Polonick. I will read pretty much anything that he puts out. So I kind of know if if he's got a new book out that I'm going to enjoy it and get, I'm going to escape into whatever world that he's created. Um, but I mean, having said that, like, I've recently got more into nonfiction as well. And I think, you know, that's, you know, it's, it can be very informative, obviously, if it's a particular subject. So, yeah, there's not one particular kind of book. But I would say, yeah, I mean, my favourite author is probably Chuck. Chuck Polonick and and his books always, um, yeah, they're always great for uh, diving into and escaping what's going on in the world. <laughs> Something we've all needed quite a bit this year. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so are there any books that you return to over and over again, like comfort food, but a book? It's an interesting thing because my wife, she's really into chiclet. Um, she won't mind me saying that because she is. Because she like, because it's e- it's easy. Like she likes to have an easy read. Like I was saying, like I, when I got really into reading in my late twenties, um, sorry, mid twenties, early thirties, it was kind of really challenging books that were hard. They were quite hard work to read sometimes. And she loves to just escape into a you know into a romantic novel that she's kind of knows. And she will reread books over and over again. That you know, if she's run out. Or if there's, you know, she likes to, she doesn't often like to try new authors. So it'd be like if if the output of the authors that she's into has, has dried up for some reason, she will definitely go back and reread stories like you do, like, you, you know, you re- rewatch a movie. I'm really, I'm a bit funny about books. I don't ever, I've never really truly say that I've never really gone back to another book to read, which I know is like almost seems... Um, sacrilegious that you've just like you know like there'd be like an amazing book and you'll be like well I'm never reading that again <laughs> um but maybe it's to do with that fact that I I find sometimes find it an effort to read and the idea of like going back and reading a book that I've already read I think well there's probably loads of other books I probably should be reading 
I'm not like that with other things, like other creative things. I mean, I love re-watching movies and me- listen, obviously listening to music over and over again. But for fun things and books, I, I never look back. I always sort of move on to the next thing. Maybe I should. Maybe I was thinking actually Matt, that might, might help when I'm in those reader's block moments and I and I can't move on. Actually, probably be quite a good thing to go back and read something that I've enjoyed before. Is your memory for the stories then really good? Do you ever think back? That was a really good book and kind of just think about it every so often maybe not read it but sort of just think about I don't know like a, a really character that you loved or a really great bit of plotting yeah absolutely and, and and certainly when I'm in the midst of kind of writing my own stories or you know coming up with stuff or, or, or just to inform the way I write things certainly I'll go back and and think about how other people have written the craft of it. And, you know, I mean, there are certain books that really stick with me. Like I, I remember reading John Fowles, The the Magus. That was a book that really st- stayed with me for, for a long time. Uh, David Gold um, wrote a book called uh, Carter Beats the Devil, which is a book that's really beautiful. And I've, I've got, you know, I've always thought about that a lot. And those the plots in those stories have really have always stuck with me for sure. So, yeah, it does happen. But, yeah, often when I'm when I'm in the midst of writing something, I will I will try and think back to how other people have sort of tackled a particular thing. Now, imagine we're not in lockdown. <laughs> Is there a particular place or a certain time that you usually do read when you read? I've taken to I'm I'm not a particularly brilliant sleeper. I I would I, I kind of say that I'm a part-time insomniac. Because um, I'm not, you know, there are some times when I do sleep all right. I know, I know I have a good night's sleep if I read before I go to bed, like go to sleep. So if I'm in bed, my wife always reads before she goes to sleep. And actually, if she ever wakes in the night or likewise, uh, you know, she'll pick up a book to to relax her again. So, yeah, sleeping before, uh, sorry, reading before I sleep is um, something I try to do. And actually, that does help me nod off and go you know and get a good night's sleep and I know that and I, I keep having to tell I'm telling myself now because I had a bad night's sleep last night and I'm saying to my I'm saying in my head remember tonight to read a couple of chapters and you know you'll have a, you know I know I'll have probably have a good night's sleep so I'm sort of saying that to myself as I'm saying this so that's probably my main time but yeah I mean sometimes if I like in school holidays and stuff obviously if you're yeah on holiday that kind of thing that you know the, the, the kind of normal time when you've got a bit more time to actually really stick with a book I mean I think you know with work when you're working and it's everything's fast paced it's sometimes difficult to you know you're you know, difficult to really I like to like really sort of invest some time in it really rather than just reading a couple of pages and then coming back to it I think it's too kind of like staccato and I and I'd rather bury myself in it a little bit and give it a bit more attention and time so I think, yeah, and even at weekends and stuff, I feel like it's one of those things where I, I will ca- almost carry my book, around, like a book, if I've got a book, I generally have a book on the go, even if it's not been finished, got lots of half-finished books, but um, I will carry this book around the house with me, like it, with the intention that I will actually sit and read it, and then often, like, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, so... There's all these things I'm saying to myself, I'm saying to you now, I'm actually saying to myself, come on, you need to sort yourself out. Because there's all this great literature that I'm not um, investing my time in and probably should do, really. Maybe put my phone down a bit more and and read a bit more. So it doesn't sound like lockdown has affected sort of the amount of time you spend reading if you read before bed. But are you the sort of person that goes just another page? I'll just I'll just read another page before I go to sleep. Or are you really good? Sometimes, yeah. If I, yeah, when I'm when I'm really when if I'm really into it, yeah, if I'm really into something, 
It tends to be, I think, uh, it's probably a bit cliche, but I, those sort of page turnery thrillers, I will always, yeah, will certainly do that with, yeah, definitely a one more page. Also, I'm a bit, um, a bit of a, maybe it's an OCD thing, but like sometimes wanting to make sure that I get to the start of a new chapter. I don't often like to leave halfway through a chapter or maybe, I might even say like odd numbers. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely like to try and get to a, a bit I hate books without I mean I, I get annoyed when there's books without chapters or at least splits in the in 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 the story somewhere that they can there is a sort of natural stop to to a point I'm, I'm reading this uh, I'm reading the latest Chuck Polinick book actually and that he hasn't there's no like chapters and um it's it's I'm like oh I need, like, where do I where am I going to stop because like if I'm going into the next and it's kind of split narrative and I'm like, oh, I want to make sure that I'm in the right now narr- like I want to end that narrative and then like, so I can go on to the next narrative so yeah I think maybe it's a bit of a yeah it's possibly a bit of an OCD thing maybe about it yeah I I remember I read Lord of the Rings when I was very young and mm. he's very cheeky about doing that where it's like I'm definitely finishing at the end of this chapter and then yeah. you'd go into something you'd go I'll just read the first sentence and then it's yeah, suddenly yeah. It's, the, it's like the other half of the crew and you're like oh my exactly, god yeah. I need to read this chapter now <laughs> yeah 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 I'm suddenly with Frodo and Sam and yeah. Gollum somewhere I was I was a minute ago I was with Aragorn in Helm's Deep yeah. I want to stay <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm really bad at it I have I have zero self-control when I'm in a good book I'm like I'll just I'll just read the next chapter it's fine yeah as a writer, um, especially as a children's writer, do you find the act of writing to be therapeutic or is it tricky? At, at times, yeah, at times. I mean, yeah, it's a tricky one because anyone who's a writer will know that it's, it's not an easy gig. Yeah, it can be very challenging at times and it's um, you have to be in the right mood sometimes to be able to do it and get your head into it. I, I think probably the best bits are when you first, for me anyway, are when uh, – when you first start, I think that first draft is always quite enjoyable. But yeah, that first kind of start when the, when the when your ideas that you've sort of been mulling around in your head start to hit the page, and you're still figuring it out. And I, I guess I'm probably a bit organic in my process. I kind of let the story lead me a little bit. I don't. Um, I was talking to Ian Rankin recently, so a big name drop, um, and he said that he doesn't. Um, and it was interesting because I really. Um, I really empathised with him. He was saying that he doesn't know who's going to be the killer or whatever until, like, he finds it out as we, as he's writing it. Um, it's not all plotted out. And that was really interesting. I thought, well, that's actually how I write as well. I don't really work out what's going to happen. You know, I'm not a planner in any way. I don't, like, sit there and say, oh, you know, this is going to ha- this person's narrative is going to go like this. The organic process. So going back to your question, it, there are moments that are very enjoyable and the act, of, the act of writing is enjoyable. And I would say, but for me, I, I guess it's probably that that starting bit when you're first doing the first few chapters and working out how you want to start the book. That's, that's my favourite bit for sure. As a children's picture book author, is there ever sort of any anxiety that you you get between you having written the book and then the publisher choosing an illustrator for it? Do you ever have that kind of tension that then once you see the illustrations, you kind of relax a little bit and you go, yeah, no, that's that's what I like. That that matches what I had in my head. It's a really interesting question because uh, a lot of the time, um, especially when I do like school visits and things and I talk to children and, and actually some of the teachers as well, they just assume that you choose the illustrator and then yeah I mean, as we know it's not that the the publisher chooses i mean i guess you have to put a certain amount of trust often also there's a bit of closure after i mean particularly after a 
publisher's chosen your um, your text and has decided they want to publish it, it's almost, and you sign a contract, it's almost like, well, uh, by the way, this this person's going to be the illustrator. <laughs> is is that, you know, it's not even is that okay. It's kind of like this is going to be the illustrator. I guess if you're slightly more, perhaps if you're a slightly more powerful um author that you might have a bit more sway on on who who would be involved but uh, to be honest generally speaking you have to put that level of trust in them and know that that's how they want it to how they want it to be i've always felt in capable hands with regards to that but it is i mean it's it's lovely when you start to see i mean the, the best bit is obviously when you start to see like sketches and stuff come through when you start to see your your words kind of be put into life that's that's always incredibly exciting so yeah, it's it's a kind of there's a, there's a there's a sort of trust thing there with with the, with the, the publishers know what they're doing and 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 generally in my experience with, with all the um, books that I've done I've been really lucky I've worked with some really great illustrators and yeah I I can't yeah I've I've had a good process with that I mean I say it might not be the same for other people but yeah it's always been it's always been really nice for me. Is there a book that has profoundly affected you? Yeah, there's been a few books actually. I would say. Yeah, there's a book by Sharon Olds called The Father, which is actually a poetry book, which had a, was a big influence on me writing 152 Days, which was um, the verse novel I wrote, um, which came out at the beginning of the year. It, it's about, it's again, it's about, um, my the, my story is about, uh, um, it's based on my own experiences of my mum passing away from leukaemia and the out the outfall from that. And Sharon Olds' story is a lot about her, her looking after her, father through through the end of his life and it's very it's incredibly visceral and also very poignant in parts and and you know it really yeah it really I, I guess it gave me the courage to write my story you know it was one of those books that gave me the courage and thinking actually you know I could I could write my own story I could I could tell my own story about a similar subject um and yeah it's just always one and because it's a poetry book it's one of those ones to sort of dip into now and again i'm like you were saying earlier about books you go back to actually poetry books and stuff i I do sort of return to those as i would possibly you know listen to a song i guess because they're more they've got that sort of more musical uh, aesthetic about them I, I i do go back to poetry books for sure so that books had a had a profound effect on me and yeah i mean there've been other books like um, american psycho by brett easton ellis was just a like a punch to the face of a book not you know there's i know it's very controversial um a very controversial book but it was it was like wow this is <laughs> i didn't know this kind of stuff could be could you you know you could read this kind of work um so yes yeah, books like that i guess have been um I've, I, I, I've, yeah i think just knowing that just giving like thinking like you can actually do in certain extent to a certain extent you can write what you want to write and um that's quite exciting that's quite exciting so yeah so i'd say those two books were were big had a big impact on me yeah you've kind of answered my next question which is are there any books that you recommend that you find are effective at improving your mental well-being with that book of poetry yeah i mean yeah that that book sharon old's called the father it's quite hard to get i tried to get a friend of mine her, her unfortunately her father passed away and I said you got must read this book, and it was really. I think it's quite hard to get hold of now. I think I think it is still in print, but it's yeah. I think Knopf had it out, but yeah, that that's always had a yeah. That's been a really great book to go back to. Um, it, yeah, if I'm you know if ever ever I'm sort of dwelling on, on on things from my past with regards to loss, 
It's always been a really powerful book. I mean, you can see behind me, actually, I mean, this is no good for listeners, but behind <laughs> me there is, there is, there is my, I mean, my, my wife's not much of a hoarder, so we, I've got some books in the other room, but yeah, I've got quite a small, like, array of books up the top there. I've always kept the books that have, yeah, there's books that have really, like, you know, have, have had an impact on me generally. But, um, I mean, saying that about the mental health thing, actually, I think I've always really enjoyed in those moments reading, possibly reading nonfiction, which sounds a bit counterintuitive. Sometimes you want to escape to a world or something, but I sometimes feel like reading factual stuff is quite helpful for me when I'm, yeah, if I'm, if I, um, if I feel like my mental health is not where I want it to be. So, yeah, so I mean, people like John Munson, I'm a big fan of, or, and sometimes, you know, it's like self-help books, you know, if that, you know, sometimes that's good. Um, I've been reading a book called The Happy Monk by a guy called Galong Thubton, who's a Buddhist monk. And, you yeah, know, that's got nice sort of tips on mindfulness and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, things like that can be can be nice to read and dive into when you're not in a good place. Great. Last question, because your bookshelf is right there. <laughs> have you got any, have you got, and also your children's picture book author, yeah. do you have any beautiful books? Oh, okay. Beautiful books. I will let yeah loads of really lovely children's books um, in the other room actually, which my son has got. Funny enough, I'm just thinking actually beautiful books. I'm really into Lego, right? And um, my wife a few years ago got me a like a it's called Beautiful Lego, nice. and it's like bespoke Lego that people have made. So it's yeah, and it's like it's like one of those table coffee table kind of books. And I would say that is a beautiful book to just look through. It's just gorgeous pictures of, I mean, people have like created entire meals, like a roast dinner out of Lego wow. and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really cool. Um, so that's that. Yeah. I'd say that's, um, that's up there as, as a beautiful book. I don't tend to get sort of first editions or anything generally. So, you know, and obviously like normally the hardbacks are the ones that look really, really lovely. I bought, um, there's a book called, the property, which is a, a graphic novel. I still really love reading graphic novels. Um, and yeah, there's a book called the property, um, which I can't, I can see it, but I can't remember the name of the author, but anyway, that's a really, really beautiful book. Um, all about, yeah, a lady who inherits a property from, from a, from a relative and sort of just the fallout of, you know, having to deal with the, the upheaval and sorting out the, this property and it's, and then the, those kind of memories and stuff resurfacing from you know from a difficult childhood and uh yeah it's a really beautiful book and yeah i mean graphic novels i i, I love and what's great now is you know it's not i think people see graphic novels and they think they obviously think like kind of superheroes and marvel and dc and all that kind of stuff but actually there's some really really wonderful pieces of stuff out there. there's a book called blankets which is amazing graphic novel i'd highly recommend it's just it's just a drama it's a drama and it's um but it's beautifully illustrated so yeah graphic novels are always I, you know i would fill yeah i'd fill up shelves of graphic novels if i could i was i was really naughty and um sandman's anniversary edition came mm. out so i i was like i must have the anniversary edition yeah yeah so, <laughs> so i added to my graphic novel collection by rebuying graphic novels that i already yeah. owned <laughs> well why not <laughs> they're beautiful <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do love, yeah, I think comics and the underappreciated sometimes. I think, mm. you know, as you know, not always seen, as particularly I think in schools and stuff sometimes, I think it's changing slightly, but certainly when I was growing up, um, we're never seen as proper literature. And that's a real shame because sometimes for, for, for people that, you know, for, for kids like me who weren't that really into 
necessarily reading novels or, or, or chapter books, as it would have been then. It's a way in. It's a way into reading. And um, I think they're so vital, actually, um, as a medium. So, yeah, big up to comics and graphic novels. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll put all of the books and authors you've mentioned, which are many, in the show notes so that our listeners can find them and give them a read. Thank you so much for coming on to Shelf Healing. This is, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. It's oh, been thank you. No, thank you, Rebecca. It's been great. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's Shelf Healing interview. I will be back next week with another. Thanks, as ever, to Nicholas Patrick, who created our theme music, and to Luke Montgomery, who creates all of the transcripts of our podcasts. And this week, there is a special little bonus bit at the end of this episode. I'll be back in two weeks. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I love love your Twitter feed. I have to say, it genuinely... It makes me happy. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad that's the case because, yeah, you never you never know with these things if people are getting anything out of it. But, I mean, that's, it's, you know, that that's, I'm not, you know, that's me. I'm not, um, it's not like a, um, I'm not, you know, doing it as, as a way of like, you know, kind of trying to coerce anybody or, or, or like, you know, like, um, make anybody like me particularly it's just that's you know it's me and I'm, I, I like putting out nice messages and you know especially on the things like Twitter where the, the conversations often are a lot darker <laughs> <laughs>